0: john chapter 6 we had looked at john chapter 5 previously not so at the man that was healed of his infirmity for 38 years we are still dealing with the series on the the passover in the new testament jesus attended four passover feasts at this particular one it's recorded in john chapter 6 it's a fairly lengthy reading i won't read all of it just because of time i would encourage you though in the week the next two weeks or so, spend some time um, reading and rereading John chapter 6. John 6 is a fairly long chapter, 71 verses. Okay? It commences with the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible says this in John chapter, f- chapter 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them might have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down. In number about 5,000. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. If we add the women and and children, probably they were in excess of 10,000 people. Feeding of the 5,000, please remember, it's a representative number of not males, but for me it's symbolic of heads of households. That lead households. Make them sit down on the grass. Okay. And then in verse 11. Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples. And the the disciples to those that were sitting down. So there's a grace flow from the source. Which is Christ. To apostolic Figures. Listen carefully. You see, husbands feed their families. Heads of households or pastors, like for example, I will be the man of God in this house. The spiritual father too, to feed this house. The grace and the resource of truth and bread that we get is from an apostle. Right? In this context, it's I it's Du, Right? He accesses that from? christ himself that is protocol in the kingdom that is how the kingdom should should work do you remember the ephesian elders in acts 28 or acts 20 remember paul spent three years at the church at ephesus i did this with you in the series on the primacy of the word ephesus was a word-centered church ephesus was a church that must not leave there. first love remember paul spent three years teaching them every day from amplified bible says from I think it's nine in the morning or two, half past three, for three years. And he persuades them about the, the kingdom of God. He first meets twelve disciples of John. Do you remember? Before, before he, he does this. And he says to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They say, We haven't even heard that there is a as a Holy Ghost. He prays for them, they get baptized in the spirit, baptized in water. The Bible says he took them aside, and in the synagogue began began to teach concerning the kingdom of God. Dissension was stirred up, and many people spoke evil of the way and evil of Paul. Paul then shifts the emphasis of the meetings from the synagogue to the school of Tyrannus. You know these things. I'm just rehearsing. To the school of Tyrannus. In the school of Tyrannus, not in the synagogue. So God is moving away from religious centers to places where, on a consistent basis, the word of God can be espoused. And Paul, daily for three years, taught them every day. Imagine, from nine in the morning to after three, every day for three years. Not just those 12, but more people started to gather. Where was this happening? Everyone say Ephesus. This was happening in, in Ephesus, right? Happening in Ephesus. From that group, in three years, a powerful church was established through Paul's teachings. The main uh, deity that was worshipped in Ephesus... Was a heathen goddess called Diana, so in literature we read Diana of the Ephesians. She was an, they, they, she was a, a a a heathen deity, and people engaged in false worship or idol worship. Right, there was a large large statue erected in honor of her in the center of the city. Uh, the entire city's economy, literally, some people enriched themselves through making replicas of little. Idols dedicated to the worship of Diana, Diana of the Ephesians. What was happening? A principality, Diana, was ruling Ephesus. How did Paul sort that out? Did not attack the principality. All he did was teaching people. When you see principalities work by principles in a city, the principality needs certain principles of thought or behavior for that principality to affect the jurisdiction. If you change the principles, you neutralize the principality. What Paul was doing through education, through preaching the word, he changed people's lives, and the principality had no basis upon which to express its operation. Right? So people's lives are changed. My point is this. I believe those 12 original disciples of John the Baptist, they were still following John's teachings by Acts 20. Paul upgraded them in three years. They became leaders of households in the book of in, in the city of Ephesus, and they became what the scripture calls elders of the city. Paul, when he left them, said, You will never see my face again. I've been with you three years. I I kept back nothing from you. I shared to you the whole counsel of God. What Paul was saying when he said that, you guys, I he said, I did not shrink back, but I released everything I know about God to you in three years so i held back nothing so he said i'm innocent from the blood of all men done my part it's up to you now guys so paul says this to them and now you will never see my face again they actually knelt they held each other and they wept bitterly before paul got onto the ship to leave why because paul said you will never see my face again some of the torture for three years transformed you change the city remember the economy of the city was changed Because every silversmith, goldsmith that made those idols suddenly was out of business because no one's worshipping Diana of the Ephesians anymore. Okay, How do we dent Satan's economy? (laughs) We simply consistently establish principles of the word that if people listen and obey, um, the power of the air will have no basis of authority in which to act. Okay, So that is why, you see, when we teach the way we do, don't, don't think it inconsequential. What we're doing is strategic to changing environments. And next year, I really believe we need to up our regularity. I know we started GSM some time back, but the Lord's been speaking to me. He said, Randolph, you, you know what? I heard? I, heard the, I heard the same echo in Nairobi that I heard on the ALS night in, in Washington, one night I couldn't sleep and the Lord kept saying, Keep feeding my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep and it was it was it was rehearsed in my spirit before our last marriage seminar we had in uh, Sherwood that night before that I couldn't sleep. I heard the Lord saying, Keep feeding, just feed my sheep, keep feeding. Okay? We're gonna keep feeding you. Amen. Right? Hebrews 13 says, remember those who led you, who spoke to you the word of God. Hebrews 13, 7 and 17. How do we lead? We speak the word of God. Okay. If we are not feeding, we are not leading. So what happened? Paul kept feeding these guys three years. And he says to them, you will never see my face again. And this is what he said to them. He said, I commend you now to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among All the saints that are sanctified. So Paul says, you won't see Paul again. You won't see my physicality. My person will be gone from you. I know you're feeling emotional right now. You're crying and weeping because of this emotional attachment. But he says, guys, there's something I can leave you. I commend you to God. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I want to encourage you, uh, all of us, never leave the word. Especially in December. <laughs> when people are on holiday mode, even in the spirit, people get slack in Bible reading and prayer. Never leave the word of his grace. What does it do? Able to build you up. So listen carefully. The Ephesian elders were elders of Ephesus, the city. Note. So listen carefully. They, by that time, had become leaders of households scattered all throughout all Ephesus. Right? And what Paul was saying, he was talking to leaders that have households. It's like Jesus having apostles that feed men that are in charge of families. Can you, can you see the pattern? See the principle? So that is why I don't, don't underestimate our connectivity to authentic apostolic grace. Tell you, a bit, we have our own Paul among us. Amen. Remember the lament of the man at the uh, pool of Bethesda. What was his cry? I don't have a man. <laughs> I'm yet 38 years. His, his first excuse is, I have no covering. I have no priest. I have no individual pouring forth apostolic doctrine into me. That is why I can be so close to the thing but never access the thing, simply because I am not infused with apostolic grace. And so, um, listen carefully. Paul, by the way, when Paul left, you know that he put Timothy? When he writes Timothy, Timothy, Paul said this to Timothy, um, that he left him at, Timothy have I left at Ephesus. So Timothy was put in charge of the, of the, the whole city as an apostolic type in Paul's absence. That apostle would minister to, Heads of households, elders in charge of people. And that is how grace works. I'm, I'm saying this also so you can get a renewed appreciation why I personally highly prioritize meetings with my apostle. It's, for me, it's, 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 a, it's a methodology. It's a protocol. It's a principle in Scripture. Amen. So do you understand? So Jesus organizes these guys. You know, you could have just said, listen, here's the thing that God spoke to me. You've got to establish structure before flow of the miraculous. What, answer me, was there a need? Were the people hungry? 5,000 men, not the counting wives and kids. So Jesus could have just said, hey, Sarah, Sarah, heaven's open. Let the bread fall. Let the fish, well, fall <laughs> from out of the sea. It, it takes the time to establish order. He said, make them sit down by families. Right? If you read the feeding of the 4,000, I think it's in Luke's gospel, different accounts. They sat some in hundreds, some in fifties. Different sizes. Representatives of different strengths of households. Amen. What does bread represent? The Word of God. What's in the Word of God? Grace. The feeding of the 5,000? Is methodology, structure, protocols for the administration of the grace of God. Grace flows in a structure. You violate the structure, you abort the grace. Amen. That's why it's so, for me, very, very important. We had a a significant conference in Kenya this week. And you know, God revisited some of these things to us as leaders. God establishes order before the flow of the miraculous. Can take place. God establishes structure, protocol, and principle principles before release of His anointing, the release of the miraculous. Eleven, right? So when they were full, He said, "Verse twelve to the disciples: Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost." Therefore, they gathered up and full twelve baskets with the fragments of barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is a prophet who came into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed and went again into the mountain by himself. Amen. Now, if you note verse 6 of verse 5. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw what? A great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, "Where shall we buy bread?" Right? What what does the question indicate to you? Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Representatively, bread depicts the word of God or grace in the word. He was asking a question Where can we locate a source of grace? Where? Everyone say where. The question is, where's the spring of the grace of God that will flow forth to meet this particular need? Now the next verse is interesting. It says, but this he said to? To what? This was Philip's test. Jesus asked Philip the question to test him. Because he knew already What he was intending to do. He knew already what he was intending to do. So Philip's faith was tested. And I want to encourage you. I sense when I read this, the Lord said, Randolph, you are in the test of faith. The need is huge. Not so. The multitude needs to be fed. In excess of 5,000 people are present. Did Jesus know that he would supply the need? That Jesus knew he was capable of doing it. The methodology of Christ is unique because he does not proceed just to do it. He could have just done that. But he uses the opportunity to stretch the faith of his son, Philip, his follower. And I want to say this to all of us. I sense prophetically, as I was praying over this word, that God has led many of us in right now into a time of huge need. Because God is simply wanting to test you, oh by the way, He already knows what He's going about to do, but he's using He's using the occasion as an opportunity for you to come into an appreciation of the possibility that exists in God. The retort was this. the, the rebuttal was this. 200 denarii, they said, is not even sufficient to go into the town and buy food for everyone. If we had 200 denarii now, we go buy food for these guys, it'll be insufficient. And in any case, each one will only have a little. One denarii was one day's wages. You know that from scripture. One denarii was a singular day's wages. 200 denarii represents 200 days' wages. How many days in a year? 365 so this is just just, this under is it just over a year worth of 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 labor wages just more than a half a year's wage and the disciples initially looked at least philip looked to that economy to supply the need right the test for philip arroche was was numerous The thing for Philip is, number one, will he realize that this is a test? It's not an ordinary question. It's actually a test. I hear the Lord saying to us, your need right now is not an ordinary circumstance. It's simply your test. So tell your neighbor, you are in a test right now. You are in a test right now. Did God know, secondly, the second thing with Philip is, let me just read what I wrote here before I explain it. Will, will, Will Philip realize that Jesus had already determined he would sovereignly provide for the need, but that he was only affording Philip to come up to this revelation? Jesus had already decided, I know what I'm about to do, but before I proceed... Let me tweak the mind of my disciple. Philip, where are we going to get bread for all of these people? Philip's natural default setting is to revert to human means to accomplish a task that is way beyond the means. 200 denarii for a multitude. right? How often do we naturally tend to a reliance upon known procedure known principles, known methodologies for getting an outcome that God wants to demonstrate to us it's not going to be by might, it's not going to be by power, it's not going to be by working for 200 days a year that we're going to do this one. What God was trying to teach Philip is, Philip, don't always, first as your first option and alternative, naturally rely upon what is possible humanly take your eyes off the the human means to fulfill this one and you know by the way was the it would be insufficient wouldn't it not 200 denarii in philip's own words even if we had 200 denarii now um, it would be insufficient everyone would only have a small taste right you see, when you attempt to provide your own needs your way, right, you don't get the outcome of provision that God would have determined. Yeah. Remember, eventually, you will supply the need, not so. The bread multiplied, the fish multiplied, everyone ate to satisfaction plus leftovers. Yeah. Philip's retort was let me do it through human means. I know we can do this if we have 200, even if we have 200 denarii. But that's going to be insufficient. Everyone will probably have a taste. God, I, I hear the Lord as I speak, God doesn't want us only to taste. God wants us to eat to satisfaction. After we've eaten, there's still leftovers. But, you cannot rely and tend to. Your natural proclivity is to bend towards how can we work this out mathematically? How can we work this out humanly? How can we do our sums and get job done. Jesus is literally asking Philip, Philip, come up higher with your mind about this one. The task is magnanimous. The need is huge. Even if you had no attempt by using your human resources is going to fulfill this one. This is going to have to be sovereign divine intervention. Amen? And I really want to encourage you. This is the word for this house today. Take your eyes off. What is humanly possible. For now declares the Lord to you. There is going to come a method. An avenue of provision. That is not based upon. Your human ability. To provide for. It's going to be sovereign. There's going to be a multiplication of resource. But that resource. Must be offered to the Lord. You see Andrew found a boy. Not so. Andrew found a young lad. The word lad is probably. It it denotes anyone below the age of 12 years. And he had five barley loaves. Remember, the Feast of the Passover was in which month? Come on, talk to me. Which month? First month. Feast of Tabernacles was in which month? Yeah, seven. Well, sorry. Next one was Pentecost. Feast of Tabernacles uh, of Pentecost in the third month. Feast of tabernacles in the seventh month. So it's one, three, seven. First month, third month, seven. Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles. What products were celebrated in terms of Israel's harvest in the agriculture at those times of the year, given the seasons? In the first month, it would be barley. Remember? Barley. In the Pentecost, the third month, it would be wheat. The seventh month, tabernacles would be Oil and wine. So it makes sense. It's the time of the Passover, first month. What loaves does the guy have? Barley loaves. right? So the harvest depicts, the harvest naturally depicted the kind of bread that was produced. Okay? The season naturally determined the quality of the word that was offered. Right? Listen carefully. could not at that stage, well, maybe in today's economy, Because now in today's economy, we can get anything in any season. We can get mangoes in winter if we wanted to, (laughs) Now, Based upon our modern technology. But in that culture, products were unique to specific seasons. And let me just say this to you. I sense, even now as I'm speaking with all of my heart to us, we are in a specific kairos in God. Everything, you know when I listen to this whole series now, this is the 18th session on Passover. Everything the Lord has said to us in the past 18 sessions has literally been a fresh word from God. Right? That word is word full of grace designed to get you to a place of obedience. If which you simply do and be compliant, I'm telling you, there's going to be a, a, a result in you that's going to stagger your mind. Literally going to stagger your mind. Right? And so the barley loaves are brought to the Lord and. And offered. Annette used to sing a song way back in AOG. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. You see, so long as it, so long as the resource is in the boy's hand, can't be used. You see, God wants to multiply and meet the need, but He needs a people in the need to offer the resource you think will supply your need. But if you release it in God's And it doesn't only supply your need and more. It provides everybody else's need. Think about it, brethren. Let me ask you a simple question. Was Jesus able to supply the need? All that he needed was someone with a giving spirit in the whole group. And they found a little boy that I think put everybody to shame. Had a little lunch. And he was willing to offer that to the Lord. But the offering became the vehicle of multiplication that supplied not only the private need of the lad. His offering supplied the corporate need of the entire group. You know, so now when I give my offerings, right? When I I give my uh, uh, tithes, first fruits, and, and offering, do you know what mindset I do it with? I said, Lord, I'm not just being obedient. Yes, I'm happy to do this. I celebrate my sonship. I'm very happy to do this. But I offered knowing that even as I offered, I know you will take care of me. You atham will say we don't rely upon the natural systems of this world in the clip. Because we belong to the commonwealth of another kingdom. There's a methodology that by which God takes care of us. Amen. So now when I give, I give with this mindset. This is this bread and fish, as it were. I'm going to release it and I know you will supply my need per, uh, personally, but also too, I know this is going to be used to supply the need corporately. Private giving supplies corporate need. Personal giving supplies corporate need. Amen. And uh, it'll it'll bless you. You will have more than what you need. But you see, he who by this revelation then does not give, he does know. There's no esteem for the corporate welfare, right? Then it becomes selfish. I always say that the withholding spirit, the stubborn spirit, the, 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 the non-giving position has no priority for the welfare of the brotherhood. Imagine if this boy said, my lunch? No. <laughs> I like this little boy. You know what boys naturally would want to hold on to that lunch, right? Five barley loaves two fish, right? You would naturally want to hold on to that, but He offered it, and the Lord multiplied His resource. Okay? I'm saying, now I honor grace. I honor a representation of Christ. I honor. But now I realize, and what now my prayer would be, take this and multiply, not just for my need, not just for His need, but multiply it, for the corporate need globally. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. On Thomas' website now, there are 17 sessions on biblical economics. I think he's still carrying on with it today, if I'm not mistaken. In one of the sessions, he gave a thorough expose on second Corinthians chapter 8. You must listen to it. He said this watch. He said, You know the portion concerning the Macedonians? Paul said this to the Corinthians. "O Corinthians, you know the grace of God given to the Macedonians. How that from the deep poverty, they gave liberally. Okay, they gave liberally. And Paul then says to the Corinthians, now God is able to make all grace abound to you. If you copy the examples of the Macedonians and you give, grace will come back to you. Almost said this, giving itself is an act of grace. Giving is grace. Because the Bible says, you know the grace upon them from deep poverty they, they gave. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Paul would say, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that although He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. So grace knows how to impoverish itself to enrich another. You cannot give without grace. And even your giving is not, Yes, the revelation, even your giving is not finance. Your giving is grace. Don't quantify it in terms of finance. You say, God, I'm literally imparting grace as I give. Okay, I want the time to explain the fullness of that thing. But I want to encourage you, little becomes much. Even a quick testimony, my personal chauffeur, the whole of this week, was a medical doctor. I, I was so humbled by the stature of men that served me. Professional men, doctors, lawyers. The driver was a medical doctor that dropped me, picked me up, fetched me backwards and forwards. I was so humbled by the dignity and the stature with which the Kenyans serve. Right? And for me, it's no coincidence why this great, great, great purpose attended with Dr. James and Lucy's House in Fountain Gate Church, right? It's a key gate that is entrance into the whole of East Africa, right? I talked about this maybe a few weeks' time. Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, remember? Right? And um, so I, by Thursday, I already decided by the Wednesday, I've got to bless this guy, man. This, is, this for me is remarkable. i got to bless these, these individuals somehow. So I didn't have a lot of money on me. I had about 500 Rand in my wallet. The Lord said to me, release it and give it as an expression of grace. The economy is not in reading. The economy is in hearing. Your your provision is in your capacity to hear. Whatever he says, just do it. And so um, on the Friday now, uh, sorry yesterday, he picks me up early, 5 o'clock in the morning. He's at my hotel and he takes me to the airport. His name is also James. So in, before we get, say James, by the way, I took the money out. I said, you've been such a blessing to me this week. I really honor you in God. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for being faithful to your Father in the Lord, Dr. James. I said, thank you so much. This is all I, if I had more, I would have given you. But the Lord, this is 500 Ram. Five is a number of grace. The, 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 this guy had five loaves. I have 500 rand. So he received it. And he said, uh, oh, by the way, I already prepared something for you. He takes it out, and he says, oh, yeah, is $100, which is about 1,400 rand. <laughs> so he said, I feel so bad. is like an exchange. I said, no, no. I said, I said, okay, I took it, and we prayed in the car, and he, we blessed him. What's the point? The Lord was saying to me, you see, Randolph, I tested Philip. But I will test you on your journey from this point onwards. If you l- simply learn to hear my voice, don't count the mats like he did. Two hundred. Don't work things out in the natural. Don't argue in your mind. What if I get to Johannesburg and I haven't se- and something urgent arises? Don't don't worry about all these things. God will take care of you. Amen. The moment that lad released the the bread and the fish, it went from his hands. Into the hands of Christ. Jesus lifted up and he multiplied that resource over, over many times. Amen. So I want to encourage you, everyone to say forward in obedience. Forward in obedience. Right? Some of us are counting the cost too much. We're saying what what will happen to us? I'm saying you 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 working out two hundred denarii, you're gonna feed how many you're working things out as a man, but simply obey God and see how God will come. Come through for you. Amen. Tell you in It's Passover. All these things are happening at the Passover. Not so. Jesus is about to. And He's teaching. He's using the occasion. And I'm saying. Brethren. Can't be Passover. Having always been in need. Can't be Passover. The state of existence. Where we were always lacking. Always wanting. The Lord says today. It's time to pass over. It's time to skip over that domain. Amen. And go into another realm of of operation i declare to you some of you are going to handle great finance i bless you with that prophecy you're going to, you're going to administrate great funds but if you god cannot trust you with the little that you have you will never manage the, the bigger you know uh, samson consistently says this you will do the same with much as you do with a little you'll do the same with much as you do with 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 a little i'm so blessed i don't I, I don't mind them they won't mind me giving this this testimony um uh i eft uh matthew and liam 300 rand each for work they're done for the resources for for the digital all the what do you call those things media. media posters for the ministry that we use they do all the work there in cape town and you know almost like in a half an hour or so i get being on my phone or oh, what 30 rand tied into the church account plus offerings What have I successfully taught my boys? The moment money hits your account, first priority, honor God. Honor God. You see, we might not leave our children great money, but the inheritance we leave them are principles that will ensure their success when we are gone. You might not leave them a great deal, but at least leave them biblical principles. That if they practice them, those principles will ensure that you will be blessed in your time. Even without my presence, you will be well taken, well taken care of. Amen? So I want to encourage you. That was basically not part of the preparation. I only saw that now as I was talking. I don't have it in my notes. Okay? But I want to encourage you um, um, to, to really open your eyes. What I wrote here was Philip's test. His eyes must first focus and be cast upon the Lord and His ability to provide before the natural human tendency to be inclined towards reliance upon natural, limited human intellect. Your mind will fail you. Right? Your mind will fail you. Do you know what the name Philip means? The name Philip means a lover of horses. Right? Philio, the first part, love. And the last part of his name alludes to horses. So lover of horses. What does Psalm 20? Remember Psalm 20 we read the other day? Verse 7 says the following. Some may trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we will boast. Or some versions say, whose who's, who's Bible say remember? I think the new uh, King James says, but we will remember. Or we will boast in the, in the name. Everyone say the name. We will boast or remember the the name of the Lord our God. This word "remember" is the he, is the Hebrew zakah. and zakah means to mention. Yes, remember to mention, but it also means to recall. Right? When it says we remember, if you remember something, what do you do? You recall it to the mind. Not so? "Zaka," I believe, is one of the words in Hebrew that is used to to describe the art of meditation think about things you revolve them over and over in your mind Churn things over this verse says we must uh revolve the mind earnestly consistently over what over the name and i taught you extensively this year what does name allude to nature function what else authority and then lastly representation so we will remember the name we will remember the nature of our God. We will remember the purpose of the function of our God. We'll remember the authority of our God. We'll remember the representation in which that name comes to us. Right? So, let me just say this. Is What is the most comprehensive, fullest and completest name of God? Come on, you know this. It's Father. Right? It's not Jesus. That name in Philippians is given He's given a name above, every other name, at the name of Jesus, every knee will, by every tongue. That name is given for entrance into salvation and for overcoming the demonic. You cast out devils in whose name? In the name of Jesus. You cast out devils. That name is given to express power over sin, death, hell, and any kind of entity or expression that the satanic world can bring. So you use that name. Tell your neighbor, don't forget the name of Jesus use it right but listen carefully the same jesus prayed in the garden and he prayed to his father and what did he say to his father he said father i have kept them in your name right i have kept them in in your name when he taught us to pray what did he teach us our father he said talk to your father our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name what name does the lamb have on his forehead, when he stands with 144,000, he has the name of his? What does, what does head speak of? Forehead. Thinking. Mentality. Your thinking and your mentality must be saturated with the name of your father. What is his name? Nature. Function. Authority. So wherever I go, so the Lord says to me, Randolph, release your 500. What, what should I be thinking? Yes, my father, I will obey you. Because I'm not counting the costs. Because your name, your nature, your authority is imprinted upon my mentality. And I know you as a good father will take care of me. So it's no problem to obey you because your nature is imprinted into my mind. Failure then to obey is indicative of one that has not fully come to a revelation of God as his father. You are still dependent on your 200 denarii. To work the things, the the sums out. In this season. See, who who was he talking to? He was talking to a lover of horses. He was talking to Philip that had consistently lines upon, I trust in chariots. I trust in horses. I trust in the arm of flesh to work things out. But the psalmist says, but we will put our trust in the name of our God. Amen. Uh, High five someone and say, put your trust in the name. Put your trust in the name. In the name of the Lord. Put your trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. There's a realm. I just, there's, there's, I prophesy over all of you. Listen carefully. Please hear my voice, brethren. And listen as though God was speaking to you personally. From now on, when you're faced with challenges financially, don't count the cost naturally. Don't work the sums out in your own strength. God's going to come through powerfully for us. If we in this Passover don't rely upon our human strength and ability, there's, there's, there's a provision of God that you are about to experience and enjoy that will never ever be even able to be conjured up and match what God's going to do. For, here's the word for this house. The needs of this house will grow, I believe. But we as leaders want to demonstrate to you that our reliance is not... In our earthly capacity. Human capacity to provide. Our eyes are upon the... Our eyes are upon the Lord. Do you recall... Moses, not, was it Abraham when he said sacrifice your son... Your, your only son. Whom you love. God has a way of rubbing things in. Eh? Take your son, comma, your only son. comma, Whom you love. I'll kill the boy. <laughs> Hard thing. So Abraham, father of faith. Father of obedience. Counting the cost. Wow. But you gave me this boy, and you said through him, I'll be a father of many. So how can you take the means through which the prophecy is going to come to pass, and you ask me to kill the very methodology, the conduit of the fulfillment of the prophecy? But the Bible says this, Abraham was being tested. Paul comments, and God tested Abraham. Will you work things out humanly here? You know, your biggest problem is your head tell you, number get get over your head (laughs) we you know this is my biggest problem i'm talking to myself rano's biggest problem is his head going to work things out too mathematically before we say yes okay we'll obey god in this respect so what did remember abraham took the boy and lady of the altar and he was about to kill the boy what happened the lord spoke through him an angel abraham abraham mentioned his name twice you don't call someone's name twice it's fine to call someone once. But his name is called twice to indicate that Abraham was so focused on going through with the action. He had to stop the guy in time. Abraham, Abraham. Stop. And the knife was withheld. And just before, what did God say to him? Lift up your eyes. And he saw a ram caught in the, in the thicket of the bush. And he gave God a name saying, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is provision. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. The Lord is provision i had a chuckle with the you know when you check in and you go with your boarding pass before they check your your bag your laptop and that the lady that scans it so hi sissy i said hi sissy how are you doing it's a i said today this is the day that the lord has made we will rejoice and she re- and she finished the the verse and we will be glad I said, oh yes, a here's a sister in christ yeah. <laughs> right. so i said it's a good day today i said yeah god is good I said, "The Lord's going to provide for you. Going to provide for you." He said, "Yes, the Lord is my provision." So I quickly did a quick Bible study. There was no one behind me, so I said, "Do you know what provision means?" He said, "What?" I said, "This is for you too. Provision. Two words: pro and vision. The word pro means before. Before. Pro means before. Vision comes from the root word vide. That's why we have the English word video." we watch and we see a video so vide or vision so i said vision means to see so i said now put the two words together to see before when you say god is my provider what you're literally saying is he sees before i encounter the need the need is not a surprise to god he already knew what he was about to do he already knew with Abraham what i'm about to do in fact in Abraham, it's more unique because it was not common for lambs to go up that territory of the mountain range. God had to ensure that before. Here's the deal, brethren. Before Abraham started his, remember the Bible says the next day didn't even tell Sarah, because which wife's going to let you go, honey? Going to sacrifice the boy. <laughs> didn't even inform the, the matriarchal maternal thing. You see, sometimes our feeling part of us can always oppose the will of God. That's why you have to act clinically in in obedience. Get your emotions out of the way. And the maternal, emotional side of Sarah might have prevented that act. I love what the Bible says, and he arose early in the morning, way before anybody got up, took Isaac, took a few of his men, and he proceeds to the mount that God would tell him. Do you know, I think, the moment he did that, the moment there was this, Step of obedience. God went to this lamb. Hey, guy, get lost. <laughs> get lost up this mount. Provision was already positioned to the man that I decided to obey. You see, the act of decision starts with a decision to, de- to obey. Before you obey, you decide to obey. I think God already starts to put things in place the moment you've decided in your heart, let's obey. And the ram was caught in the bush. And he exclaimed, Jehovah, Jireh, right? The Lord is provision. are he saying? The Lord saw this need way before I even started this process. And he's already made provision. By the way, who saw two? Who's on the mount with him? Isaac's there. The obedience of a father will bring the son into the same revelation that the father gets. When the father obeys. Your obedience is not private and personal anymore. It's the same for you. Like if cattle obeys in a family. God breaks through. Provides. But he doesn't just reveal his act of provision to her as provider. Everyone in the family gets a view of this God. Do you know Isaac never had one provision problem his whole life? Isaac read his account. This brother, he was now 17 years old when he saw this. From 17 years old, he saw a father that modeled how God is able to provide for us. And the Bible says, Adam, Adam Isaac, sowed in a time of famine. And in the same year, he reaps a hundredfold. A son, so, so, so baptized, so marinated in this thought. My father has demonstrated to me how God can provide. I as a son will take this to the next level. Isaac takes what he learned in Abraham, and he even took it further. It's famine, brethren. It's not time to sow. But he sows in the time of famine and in the same year reaps a hundredfold. This guy can dig wells. Remember Isaac dug wells. Remember how they fought over all the wells he dug. The Philistines, he dug a well, water flowed. He dug a well, water flowed. He dug a well, water flowed. The Philistines took ownership of the wells. One of the names means contention. So, yeah, I dug a well, water flows, the fuller size content. He doesn't fight over Wool's well. They say it's our well, but he dug it. He leaves the fight, no problem, have it. I don't fight over provision issues because this well is living inside me. And the Bible says, and Isaac went, and I love this phrase, and he dug another well. Tell you never dig another well. Dig another well. Listen carefully. What Isaac's demonstrating. He's saying, I don't fight over provision issues. I can go to any desert. I'll go to a famine and sow seed. I, things will grow. And he's saying, he's saying, he's saying, um, he's saying to everyone, I can I can dig a well and water will simply flow. Okay? Water will simply f- flow. Wherever Isaac went, he had consistent pro provision. By the way, Jacob, third generation. This patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They modeled this economy. right? They modeled this. The well that Jacob did, we read about it in John chapter 4. The Bible says Jesus met a woman from Samaria at whose well? At the well that Jacob did. Sometimes the wells you dig in one season are used as platforms for ministry in another season. Be faithful with what God has called you to do. I'm trying to armor our minds today. I'm speaking to you as much as I'm talking to myself. And you know what the Bible says? I love this about Abraham. What God said to Abraham, now I know what's in your heart. Yeah, 22, 18. I want us to focus on the scripture. Let's go back a, a verse or two. 17. Now watch, this is after he obeys. The angel of the Lord came to Abraham a second time. The angel stopped him the first time. Now the angel said, God says, I know it in your heart. Then the angel said, what, what to him? Watch. By myself. Because there was no other greater, higher than him to swear by. So God swears to himself. He says, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done what? There's always that thing. Tell you number, there's that thing God wants you to obey. There's that one, there's that particular act of obedience. If you just do that, doors are going to open. Because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Here's the Lord says to you. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants will possess the gates of the enemy. Notice the profundity of this promise. Next verse. Your, in your seed, the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. You see what obedience does. He had this promise before, by the way. It was, these words were said to him before. But God says to him, now I swear by oath. It was a promise, but now it becomes an oath. You know what an oath is? Let me, it, let me say it my way. God saying to Abraham, Abraham, whatever happens from this point onwards, this singular act, no matter what happens to you or others, even in your world, will not stop the fulfillment of this word. This act of obedience, you know, I had set a prophetic pattern. Because he too would sacrifice his only son on the same mount. Mount Moriah is called Gotha in the New Testament. He's establishing by his personal obedience a prophetic pattern for what the Lord would sovereignly do in generations to come. Amen? Tell your neighbor there's that one thing. One thing. I don't know what's it for you. Just obey, brethren. And you will see God says, now I swear. It was a promise. Now the promise becomes an oath. It's irrevocable. This is going to happen irrespective of whatever. Now this will come. Repeat after me. Because you obeyed my voice. You know, obedience has come through very strongly in this series. If we just obey, we're going to see a breakthrough. Amen? Who's expecting great provision? I am. Tell your neighbor, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the the Lord. I really believe. Please, brethren, I say this seriously to you. Trust God for a supernatural dimension to your provision. It's going to happen. Not based on sums, not in your bank account, not based upon what you're humanly able to do. God is going to do this sovereignly. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. I prophesy great breakthrough for many of us. I speak the word of the Lord to us. That we will not count and lean on the 200 denarii. That's so insufficient to supply the magnitude of the need. Our eyes are upon you. Like Jehoshaphat said, our eyes are upon you. You did all that you did to test Philip. You tested Abraham. And now you test us. And you say to us, My sons and my daughters, just trust me. Don't trust in horses. Have my name imprinted on your mind so strongly. I am your father. I will take care of you. Trust me. I hear the Lord saying, I am your father. I will take care of you. Just trust me. And see a result that you will not be able to generate if you had done it personally. So today, Father, let's lift up our hands. Father, We declare that we don't trust in horses. We don't trust in chariots. But we will remember, we will zakah, we will call to mind, we will fill our minds with the name of our Father. I thank you, O God, that you are God, and you are our God. And I pray great breakthrough and provision for every household, for every family, for every mother, every father, every adolescent in our houses, all the children. I decree and declare, like Abram exhibited provision. He planted it, he imparted it to the next generation in Isaac and in Jacob. I thank you, Lord, that our legacy, our kids and grandkids will be well provided for. They will not lack one day. I prophesy that. My kids will not lack. My grandchildren will not lack. My great-grandchildren will not lack. I prophesy into the atmosphere, speak an apostolic decree, that the seed of the righteous shall be blessed. I have been young and I have been old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their seed begging for bread. We will not be beggars. We'll be satisfied and we will drink of the full of the land. From the household of our God. We bless you for what you're about to do, Father. We ascend now to a new level of faith. We trust you. We trust you with all of our hearts. Trust you with all of our hearts. And as we obey in the natural, you will give us the supernatural to steward. We honor you today, Father magnify your name in blessing we will bless you amen amen